Welcome everyone to the Mail Fuzz TV News Podcast. I am Peter and joining me once again, as always, is Connor. Yes, I have survived. Connor's got internet again. Hence, we're here on a weird day. Normally, you get the news at the weekend. We're recording this on a Monday night. It'll be out on Tuesday. So, uh... It was a really, really, really long two and a bit weeks without internet. I'll, I'll bet. I'll bet. I, I go stir-crazy with uh, an hour without internet. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, I've got a reasonable amount of mobile data, don't get me wrong. But I'm like, I don't want to burn through it all watching a TV show or anything. Like, even, even like YouTube videos. You know, there's just too many of those on your phone. and oof. For sure, for sure. Uh, but yeah, it's a TV podcast. We get together, we talk about pilots, renewals, cancellations, series orders, all that sort of stuff and whatever else pops up. So we'll uh, get into the into the business. Uh, start on renewals and cancellations. Uh, not, not a ton, but we do get a renewal for Shrinking, which is Apple TV uh, Plus. Season 2 is been ordered so that's yeah, the one with the uh, uh harrison ford's in it and uh jason siegel oh okay they've been they've been pimping it out recently because it, so it was just on or maybe i think it may even still be airing its uh first season yeah but i've had no internet to see ads pimped out to me fair enough uh the other renewal we've got is crapopolis which has been renewed for season three now this is notable because season one's not even aired yet and fox have went ahead and renewed it this is, say, I don't even know what this is. Well, this guy's not here, Jet. This is uh, yeah. Dan Harmon's new animated series for Fox, uh, uh, which got delayed for airing because uh, it's not coming till uh, sometime in May. But they're so confident in it that they've ordered a third season, never been the second season. Uh, Kripopolis is uh, set in mythical ancient Greece and tells the story of this functional family of humans, gods, and monsters that they tried their hand at running the world's first cities. Without trying to kill each other, that is. So, yeah. Sounds like my sort of thing. Although I'm not always a big fan of Dan Harmon's comedy stuff. Would the like names Richard Awadi and Matt Berry in the voice cast uh, give you that? That would help. Some yeah, hype. Not yeah. lie. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. That, that definitely does help. Well, yeah. Uh, I'm not actually that thrilled about the setting, uh, and I would definitely just prefer Dan Harmon do another, you know, live action comedy because I love Community. But you know, whatever. <laughs> This is the thing. He's he's neck deep in the animated stuff these days. Ever since Rick and Morty, I'm not sure how involved he is with that anymore. But he was definitely around at the start of it. Yeah, he was like obviously co-creator, co-showrunner at the time. I don't know if he doesn't know what position he technically still holds right now. Yeah, uh, but cool. Uh, so that's the renewals, uh, and we got a few cancellations slash endings. You know, just put them under one. The big one by far for the last couple of weeks was Star Trek Discovery has been announced that it's ending with season five. And they also pointed out that it's been delayed until 2024. It's not going to start until next year now. Uh, but they have wrapped filming the season, although, but they have noted that they're going to get some additional filming days to add some stuff into the finale, presumably because they didn't... Make it more of an ending. Yeah. yeah, so that means that the season wasn't written as the last season, but they are going to at least get a chance to go in and put a little bit of, I don't know, some epilogue stuff or uh, maybe reframe a few things at the end. I can think of worse scenarios. It's, yeah, it's, it's not ideal, but it's better than I, I will say, nothing. It, having not watched the last season as well, though, admittedly, most of the seasons of Discovery were pretty self-contained barring the ending usually set up the next season 
but for the most part, they were pretty much, hey, this is your season. And that, that, so, so I can't imagine it needs a lot of work at the end of this season, assuming it follows suit to, you know, make it the end of a show instead of a season. That's probably true. Uh, by and large, yeah, you're right. There tends to be like five minutes at the end of the finale that is there just to set up whatever the next season is going to be. So all they'd have to do, presumably, is cut that and shoot another last five minutes. <laughs> yeah, they'll, they'll probably go a little bit longer on the last episode, add on maybe 10, yeah. 15 minutes of epilogue stuff instead. I, I would expect so, and give it more of a, a rounded thing. But uh, So I'm not so sure how surprising or not surprising this is. And on the one hand, I know they want to keep pumping out more Trek, but on the other, it's clearly an expensive show, and... We're seeing nothing but reports that every streaming service is like, oh shit, this isn't as profitable as we thought it was. We have to yeah, cut I'd, costs somewhere. I've seen some people saying, oh, well, it's episode count compared to, you know, other Trek shows is, is abysmal. But I don't think that's a fair comparison because those, those other shows were, you know, 20 plus episodes a season in a different time. Yeah, but season, even if this got 10 seasons, it was still going to pale in comparison to the episode count. Exactly, and I don't think five five seasons on a modern streaming service is not bad by any means. Nah, I I have no problem with five seasons as a run. I actually think it's kind of the the happy medium amount of of seasons where you're successful, but you don't necessarily go super long running. Uh, the only thing would be that yeah, you would have hoped that they would notice their final season going in to just rate the entire thing as an ending. But this is, I mean, getting to like at least tack on some extra stuff at the end to wrap up this is better, is better than, than they just oh yeah by the way we cancelled you yeah so uh, here's that uh, also ending with season 4 uh, which is airing soon is Barry on HBO um, apparently there was some hints that this was going to be maybe the last season and some of the interviews and stuff but it's officially confirmed uh, it seems to be perhaps more of a creative choice much like Succession also HBO that we talked about last time so fair enough yeah I would say given it's kind of cred that it has I'll be surprised if it is not just a creative choice on that one. Yeah, so uh, that's fair enough. And then, not as much to mention in this last one, but Three Pines has been cancelled at Amazon after one season. Uh, don't ask me what that is, because I cannot. I, I, yeah, I'm not, I, I know I know the name. But, <laughs> uh, which one was that? A Amazon doesn't market their shit. I, I think Alfred Molina was in it. I think that's all I know about it. Oh, is that that one? Okay. I think that's that one. So... Uh, that's the renewals and cancellations. Uh, we got some premiere dates, and this is actually a, a bigger section than normal. Uh, partly because a lot of these, like, I didn't know what they were, and they came with descriptions. So we've got some descriptions of some of these, not all of them, but. Okay. Um. So first up, we have American-born Chinese, which is coming, uh, on May twenty-fifth on Disney Plus. Uh, and this is notable because it stars Michelle Yeoh, uh, Kehu Kwan, and Stephanie Hu, who, who are all in. Everything, everywhere, all at once. And two of them are Oscar winners now. Two of them are Oscar winners now. Uh, American Born Chinese is based on the graphic novel the same name by Jin Ling Yang. And there's a story of Jim Wang, an average teenager whom a new foreign student at school drags into a battle of Chinese mythical gods. So. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting that it has all three of those actors from that movie in it. That's... That's a, either a hell of a coup or an insane bit of luck, given the timing, depending on when they were cast and the stuff. I, I don't know. Weird. And like, was this af just after that movie came out and someone from Disney went, do you guys want to do something together? Yeah, wild stuff. 
Uh, also, we get a primary date for the Marvelous Miss Mazales uh, for season five, which is going to be April fourteenth, and this is the final season, which is not New Year's. So that was known, but yeah, we spoke about that before, I think. Yeah, so that's that. Uh, Amazon's Freevee has got a new docu-style comedy series called Jury Duty, and that's going to premiere on April seventh with four episodes. It's an eight-episode season, and they're getting so it's like you get four in the first day, and then there's two the following week, and then two the week after that. So it's in three batches. Okay. So uh, this is starring James Marsden, uh, which is noble. Uh, this is coming, uh, like I said, on April 7th. Uh, I got a quick description here. Jury duty chronicles the inner workings of an American jury trial through the eyes of one particular juror, Ronald Gladden. Gladden is unaware the entire case is fake. Everyone except him is an actor, including Marsden, and everything that happens inside the courtroom and out is carefully planned. So it's Truman Show, but you're in a courtroom. Okay. That's not, like, a terrible premise. That's uh, no, not. Uh, uh, James Marsden doesn't strike me. I, I guess if you're going for this every bland, every man bland guy, I suppose he kind of works in that role. But he's kind of what it is, right? He's he's unassuming actor? Yeah. Because he's one of the actors, right? That's what it said. Everyone except him, including Marsden, and everything that happens is carefully planned. Which means Marsden's not the lead character. He's not that. I can't remember the name now already. Yeah, yeah. He's but he's not the lead. He's one of the the actors. He's one of the others. So he he'll be like a lawyer or something, or the judge or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's I, I, I don't know. As as a as someone you're not meant to realize is an actor. <laughs> he's probably that's like the perfect role for him because he is kind of just that bland and forgettable. Yeah. Uh... Next up, we've got Florida Man, which is a limited series coming to Netflix on April 13th. Uh, and Florida Man, created by Donald Todd, when a struggling ex-cop is forced to return to his home state of Florida to find Philly Mobster's runaway girlfriend, what should be a quick gig becomes a spiraling journey into buried family secrets and an increasingly futile attempt to do the right thing in a place where so much is wrong. Didn't we already talk about this one? I don't remember if we did. Okay. Okay. Well, I guess that's at least one drink for the family secrets. I don't know if it's his own family secrets, so that's debatable, but go for it. Why not? You're... I-, I was also going to say there's the returning home one as well. Like, mm. This is home state. They-, they play it as the ah, returning true, home. True, true. They say that. Yeah, okay. Okay, it definitely counts as one. I think one, combined, they'll get, they'll get one. All right, and then the other thing I've got here is Citadel, which is coming to Amazon on April 28th with uh, two episodes on the first week. Uh, this is the Ruzzo's uh, show, uh, and it's got Richard Madden in it as well as uh, Priyanka Chopra Jonas, or I may have butchered her middle name there, but maybe Chopra. But anyway, uh, there's a big description um, for this one, actually. Yeah, n- Not a middle name. That, that was her name before being married. Okay, so it's like a double-barreled married name then. Yeah. There's no hyphen, though, so I didn't necessarily read it that way, but sure. Oh, fair enough. Uh, bye. So, uh, eight years ago, Citadel fell. The independent global spy agency tasked to uphold the safety and security of all people was destroyed by operatives of Manticore, a powerful syndicate manipulating the world from the shadows. With Citadel's fall, uh, elite agents Mason Kane and Nadia Sin uh, had their memories wiped as, they're narrowly, as they narrowly escape with their lives. They've remained hidden ever since, building new lives under new identities, unaware of their past, until one night 
when Mason is tracked down by his former Citadel colleague, Bernard Orlick, uh, played by Stanley Tucci, uh, who desperately needs his help to prevent Manticore from establishing a new world order. Mason seeks out his former partner, Nadia, and the two spies embark on a mission that takes them around the world in an effort to stop Manticore, all while contending with a relationship built on secrets, lies, and a dangerous yet undying love. God damn it. <laughs> just got that personal bit in at the end. Just they did. They just had to throw it in. This is, like um, so, this is like so extra to me, this description. It's because... so generic and just like there but also it might be amazing because of how awful it could be i just i feel like basically what they're saying is it's like born identity but with a couple right it's like born identity meets mr and mrs smith that's what i'm reading from this it'll either be really bland or terrible which but like entertainingly terrible Mm. i don't know which one yet where was that again uh that's amazon uh okay probably bland then april 28th that's coming and then the last one I've got is uh, uh, Fubar, which is coming to Netflix on May twenty fifth, and this is the Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger spy show. Uh, there is actually a short teaser trailer coming out, but it's only like twenty seconds. So it's like some shots of him with a cigar, with a gun, in a car, and then he just says, "I'm back, baby," and then it says Fubar. So yeah, th- th- take, Ar- Arnie doing Arnie things. Take of that what you will. Yeah, yeah, it's good for his age. I'll give him that. <laughs> I, I, I don't think anyone was arguing that. No, but that was my takeaway from the teaser. That's all I really saw and got oh, okay, from it. Uh, all right. So yeah, that's the premiere dates. Uh, so bunch of bunch of weird shows there. Well, I think that's the first time I've been forced to drink not once but multiple times during the premiere dates. <laughs> uh, all right. So that is some general things then. Um, Punisher's coming back for Daredevil: Born Again. John Bernthal is confirmed to return as Punisher. Oh, okay. Uh, which I don't really feel much for. Uh, but this also came with the news that uh, Foggy and Karen won't be back. At least they won't be back with those actors. I mean, the characters could be back, but... See, the, the article I saw was very vague about this. It was it was less of, oh, they haven't been told they're not coming back, but more they weren't, com- they didn't get confirmed to be back alongside the others, so they're just assuming they're not. I don't know if there was an, anyone actually reached out after that. And yeah. Oh, they also confirmed that they're recasting uh, Kingpin's wife, so they're also recasting a character. Didn't she die? I honestly do not remember. Was that not like an entire motivation for, for like him? I think she almost died and then he made her go away in hiding. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been years I since I watched that show. I remember him being very angry and protective about her. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, whatever. If some people are excited, their devil's going to have Punisher back, fine. Happy, happy days. I'm not going to watch it, so it's okay. Me neither. <laughs> uh, next up, uh, some turnabout at uh, Dune, the Sisterhood. Uh, it's lost two key players. Uh, didn't it lose a showrunner not so long ago well it was it was maybe co-showrunners but one left and it was like okay that's, ah, yeah. that's not a big deal necessarily uh, but here um, we have both a director change and a recasting um, so uh, Chernobyl executive producer uh, Johan Rank who was signed out to direct the first two episodes has exited the show 
What's normal about this though is it mentioned it started shooting in November and I'm like wait you started shooting in November and the director of the first two episodes is now leaving and you need a replacement? I mean they could have shot him out of order. I mean they could have done but it still feels a bit weird to me. That, it is a bit weird, that, that, yeah. That's like, what, how much have you actually shot then in the last, like, three months? Well, not five months now. Jeez, we're in March, we're flying through so the year. So, yeah, it's, it's at least at least four, depending on when in November it was and yeah. you know, when in March we are now. So they're looking for a replacement, uh, and they're also recasting someone. Shirley Henderson, who was tapped uh, as one of the leads, she was going to play Tula Harkonnen, is going to be recast. Uh, that is an addition... They're recasting to... a lead as well, okay. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, and also the remainders here that the core showrunner left a couple of months ago as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah, weird. Not looking great. It does feel like it's going through some turmoil. Yeah, uh, and with everything going over at Warner Brothers Discovery, you know, I, I didn't put in the news them saying that oh the HBO and HBO Max is probably scaring people away because I don't want to talk about it. I don't. I just don't want to talk about that. Okay, I didn't even see that. Because it's, it's, it's stupid. No, yes, the brand. The brand that is often associated with the highest quality of television. Yes, that's turning people away, you absolute tit. Anyway, uh, so, Sisterhood, uh, some bumpy road. Some bumpy road. You're telling me cross-media projects have troubles? <laughs> More on those later. Oh, yeah. Uh, next up is a show that's not going forward anymore, and it felt high-profile enough to mention. Uh, so this is The Devil in White City. Hulu was going to do this limited series, and they're not moving forward with it. Although ABC Signature, who is the company behind it, are looking for a new home for it. Uh, but this was the, the you know, the H.H. Holmes, World's Fair, Murder Castle stuff, you know, oh, all that. Yeah. Uh, and Keanu Reeves was going to star in it, but exited in October, and then director Todd Field uh, left that soon after that. So... Like this, like, yeah, screw it. So there was a point here when they had a big actor, and obviously it's a fairly big, high-profile story uh, to, to tell, but they've, uh, you know, again, went through some turmoil. Maybe if they find a new home, they can get some new creative and, you know, some a big name for it, maybe, for the lead role. Uh, admittedly, I don't know if it would be distracting having Keanu as either H.H. Holmes or uh, Daniel H. Burnham, who's the, uh, the visionary architect who, who did the World's Fair. Distracting or amazing? I don't know. I feel like Keanu has to play a role that's just for Keanu. Like, him playing a real person from history, I think it's just not going to work. I'm sorry, did you not see Dracula? I did. <laughs> Case in point. I did work perfectly. Also, that's not a person from history. Dracula is not a non-fiction story, Connor. Yes, it is. You're like one of these Americans who thinks Sherlock Holmes is based on a real person. Oh, obviously. <laughs> Honestly, it was just the closest thing I could even think to think of that, that he played a real person, even though it's not. He tried an English accent. It must have been based on someone hey, real. Look, look, Dracula was based on someone real. I mean, very loosely. I, uh, the, 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 the still counts. That's like saying uh, Psych was based on Ed Gein. Yeah, parts of one part is based on what Ed Gein did. All I'm saying is, I'm taking the win. It counts. It does not count, but you, you, you comfort yourself with whatever you, you deem fit. I will. Uh, next up, we got a bit of casting for the Penguin. Uh, this is this is a fun one. Salvatore Moroni, the character, uh, is going to be played by Clancy Brown. Uh, 
So the man can do no wrong. So he's very good. He's even got a lot of uh, DC connective tissue because he was LX in the animated Superman series. He was, yeah, yeah. So he's even got a little bit of DC history. Uh, so that's cool. Uh, so it's an eight-episode show produced by Matt Reeves. Uh, Colin Farrell's back as the Penguin. Uh, this one has no creative changes, so it's going smoother than Sisterhood, <laughs> seemingly. So yep. Uh, good, good. Um, oh, and speaking of DC, I've got, I've got, I've got a little story that may tickle you here. Oh, so Mark Guggenheim was doing some. In, oh, oh, I, I did yeah, see this. Right. Uh, actually, I think it was his newsletter he said this in, but regardless, it doesn't matter where it came from. He said this, right? He's a, he's a little bit miffed. Uncle Googie's a little bit upset. Um, he's he's disappointed that James Gunn and Peter Safran haven't uh, called him, they haven't included him, they haven't reached out to him in any way about their new DC universe. Here's some direct quotes. Not a job, mind you. A meeting, a conversation, a small recognition of what I tried to contribute to the grand tapestry that is the DC universe. I'd only spent nine years toiling in that vineyard after all. Uh, this was on his legal dispatch newsletter. He continues, Although working for DC had been creatively fulfilling, it involved a lot of adversity, challenges, and personal sacrifices, none of which seemed to have accurate... he just personal and professional that? <laughs> he did, yes. God damn it. None of which <laughs> seemed to... personal and professional by Uncle Googie. None of which seemed to have accrued any professional benefit. Even said professional. Uh, simply put, the Arrowverse hasn't led to any other gigs, so it feels, at least on a career level, that I really wasted my time. Uh, I was going to say, okay. to me, this this tells me that James Gunn and Peter Safran have made at least one good choice. <laughs> Since they, they've taken over. things on, on, on what he actually said there, because so he spent all that like just for career advancement, which okay, fine, but I I don't think that having you know, you achieved however many shows with multiple crossovers, you know, you coordinated a lot of shit. Let, let's let's credit where it's due. Quality aside, it was coordinated relatively well Qual- over the years. Quality was definitely put aside. Yes. It was. I think that's something that, you know, him as a, a producer could probably be fairly proud of in that regard. Right? I mean, you can still put it on his resume to get other jobs, but there's this sense of entitlement that because he's loosely connected to DC as a, as a thing, that he should be consulted on this new yeah. big movie universe that James Gunn and co is trying to do. It came out, I don't know if it was through this or if, if I just saw it on Twitter because this was here. He spent a lot of his own money on Crisis. Oh, really? Um, uh, it turns out CW were just like not fronting up the budget that they required, so he put like something like ten thousand plus dollars in to like you know to get uh, to get where it needed to be, to, just to you know just to get it to happen. Otherwise, they were going to pull the plug on it completely. And like, oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah, ten thousand seems like a low amount in the grand scheme of like a TV budget, though. It is, but for like one person. Oh yeah, oh no, no. I mean, it's a lot to a person, but like, I'm like, what does that actually get in terms of a budget? A few extra costumes, like, uh, like you know, uh, you, you, I don't know. But again, you've got to remember this is just over, you know, those what four episodes that it was. Most of the costuming was already there in place, things like that, because they had all the things lying around. Sure, sure. You know, various but shows. The budget, like, even on a CW yeah. show, like, I'm sure a budget per episode is still like hundreds of thousands. Maybe. I, I wonder if this was specifically just for, like... If not millions. You know, it, it, may, it may literally still be a couple of million per episode. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, it would surprise me if it was that high. 
Maybe on CW, but I do think there's other networks where that would be a normal budget. I don't know. I think that's well, still... Well, I'll put it this way. Like, well, like, like, back when they were making Friends, it was very publicized that in the last couple of seasons that all six of the lead actors were making a million per episode. So that means the budget of an episode of Friends towards the end was six million plus per episode. Yes, but that's because all of that, no, 95% of that was cast fees. Well, I know, I know, but I'm saying... If 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 the, if a sitcom can can balloon to that per episode because of the cast and the success of the show, I'm just yeah. saying shooting a show with action scenes, even if they are all in warehouses, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> no, I I agree, yeah, mm. I, and and maybe I've got the figure wrong here. I'm just like oh sure, yeah, I, I'm just, I saw. I'm just like ten thousand is like a drop in the bucket for even a small budget movie or TV it show, is. you know. Uh, it is. If it's something that he's, you know, out of your own pocket, I, I imagine that's a, that's a reasonable amount because he's not. It, no, there was no uh, extra investment. That wasn't like an investment or anything like that. That yeah. was just like additional. That's like, a, like charity almost. I don't know. That maybe cover catering for the for a few weeks. <laughs> maybe I, I, mean, I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm just no. throwing out joke guesses really, but um, I mean that's great, but it still doesn't entitle him to anything. No, it doesn't. No, it definitely doesn't. Especially since the whole point of this new regime is that it's a new regime. Like, uh, was was he thinking that, oh, because it's not, uh, like, Snyder anymore, like, oh, I'll, I'll get consulted. Like, James Gunn and that's going to want to talk see, to me. Like, I'm not saying they should have reached out, because obviously that's completely on them. I can see why maybe they would, based off of the fact that, okay, he's already got, like, a multiverse established. Hmm. He's familiar enough with that, that it, maybe there's a reason they might want to just see what see what ideas he has. Yeah, I, but also I I can also understand them being like, no, we want a fresh start. And, and also and, CW's cancelling everything anyway. And also like like you, let's let's bring the quality back into the conversation. It's entirely possible that James Gunn and Peter Safran have watched some or all of those shows and went, we're aiming much higher than this. We I don't think we want to take anything from this. Absolutely, and also it's uh, possible they saw. You know, hey, you know, he's like I said, he's done it for nine years. Maybe he's just exhausted all his ideas, and they're like, "Yeah, we don't think he's got any fresh ideas to contribute." Yeah. So, yeah, I just you know, I, I amuse me. Uh, and then one last general story before we get to the the new comedies and stuff. Uh, important stuff, right? This is a uh, one of the most important stories of the week. I know you're going to be deeply uh, invested in this. Damien Lewis is coming back for season seven. Of billions. What? Oh. <laughs> he's going to appear in six of the twelve episodes. He was the he was like the lead character for the first five seasons, and he had to leave for I think uh, family so reasons. You, you were saying his name and like coming back. I'm like, oh, who this guy is? What else is he coming back to? That I'm like, remotely give a shit about. <laughs> I know his face, but yeah, he's he's he's, he's, he's the lead guy in billions. He's coming back. Billions. Hey, billions is like Yellowstone, though. We have to talk about any billions news that pops up. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm almost certain Yellowstone is better quality than Billions. I think that's a fair assumption. <laughs> Having not seen like a single like second of either of them, not 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 seen nothing, not a trailer, I'm willing to bet Yellowstone is better. I've seen only the stills in these news articles when I'm getting the news, and I would just based on those stills, Yellowstone looks like a higher production show but yeah you know that's yeah. that's based on very little i met so uh angry comments from the 
the the billionaires, which is the billions fund them, you know. Oh, oh yeah, obviously. you got trackies, you got billionaires. Uh, that's not confusing. <laughs> anyway, let's go into the uh, the the comedies and the new comedies we're going to talk about this week. Uh, ABC uh, has got a, a pilot order for Drop Off, uh, which is listed as a working title, but that's what it's called. Uh, it's a comedy based on a British series, which was known as Motherland. Have you heard of that? I'll say I have. No. Uh, Ellie Kemper from Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt in The Office is going to star and executive produce. So she's back on... Oh, actually, she's remember on ABC. I was going to say she's back on NBC, but it's not NBC, it's ABC. So ignore that little aside. Uh, so Karen... Karan Sony, uh, who worked on the Deadpool movies, is also set to lead in the project uh, from writer Julianne uh, Schmalinski. Sharon Horgan and Celia Mountford. A bunch of foreign uh, last names there because they all just have like a they're they're all like almost a normal name from my like perspective, but they all just have like an extra like consonant somewhere, and I'm like, okay, these are like yeah, uh, you have to think about it. Yeah, so uh, like so, Smolensky sounds like Finnish or something, but I could be wrong. I'm just stabbing the dark. Uh, but anyway, uh, so. Uh, they're all uh, working on this. Uh, Drop-off centers on Julia, a working mum for whom nothing is working, so she goes looking for her village. With the help of new friends Calvin, Liz, sorry, Calvin and Liz, Julia discovers she may just succeed at balancing work and parenting from time to time. This is a comedy for anybody who has dropped their kids off at school, breathed a sigh of relief, and then realized it's Sunday. That last part wasn't as funny as they thought it was, but not at all. Uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a single mom comedy with Ellie Kemper. It sounds very generic, but Ellie Kemper is solid. She can probably she. I mean, we know she can lead a sitcom. Uh, yeah, and I feel this is a different character for her because this is like a character with responsibility, which I feel like is the you know Kimmy so, Schmidt and her character in the office are like zany characters who are kind of more of a mature yeah. character than, than what we're used to seeing her doing which uh, is maybe just like an age thing maybe, you know maybe now she's like i don't know what age she is but maybe she's in the late 30s maybe early 40s now and she's like ah this is a role for me now i'm a mom now yeah probably uh, um, so, i think yeah. she's probably the only interesting part about that story yeah i would agree with that i'd agree with that uh next up um abc again uh They've taken a single camera comedy called Overtime. Uh, they've sold, uh, they've they've bought it from David E. Tabert, uh, and it's about a retired NBA player, uh, with Warren Littlefield, uh, producing, who's worked on both The Handmaid's Tale and Fargo, which is two shows far removed from a, a sitcom, I would say. But uh, yeah, uh, so and we also have uh, Courtney Lilly from Blackish and Gronish and Negotiations to also executive produce. I don't think I've ever read in an article before that someone's in talks to executive produce. That's a... Yeah, usually they just one. throw the money at it and jobs are good. Yeah, so anyway, in overtime, a celebrated NBA star retires and returns home... <laughs> returns home to play positions he's managed to avoid throughout his 12-year career. Father, husband, neighbour, friend. He's been pampered his entire adult life and followed the perfect game plan to great success. Great success. Now, away from the spotlight and left his own devices, he's facing his toughest opponent yet. Himself. I hate everything about that. So yeah, so an NBA player who's kind of like retired or or at least winding down and going home yeah. and being more normal. There you go. 
Uh, I, I mean, if he's like an entitled douchebag because he's used to being like pampered, like I can see where the comedy can come from for sure. Yeah, I assume that's where it's coming from. Yeah. But sorry, right, okay. Have to learn responsibilities for the first time. Uh, next up, this is just kind of an update on one that we talked about not too long ago, but uh, this is the, the Mole Agent, or at least that's what the original thing is based on is called. They don't have a title for this yet. But this is the Ted Danson starring uh, one that's by Make Sure, who did The Good Place. This is the uh, old guy becomes like a, a you know, a, a mole at a retirement home. Oh, yeah. That's that show. Yeah, so that's actually officially been uh, picked up with an eight-episode straight-to-series order at Netflix. So that's the... That's the news. Okay. Yeah. Uh, speaking of Netflix, they've also greenlit an untitled comedy series from executive producer Aaron Foster. And it's going to star uh, Kristen Bell, funnily enough, just because we, we're a good place was referenced in the last uh, story. Uh, he was another actor mm-hmm. from that show. Uh, also executive produced by Stephen Levitin. Uh, it comes from 20th Century... Uh, 20th Century... Sorry. It comes from 20th television. That's what... I'm... T- it's, it's, like, the words are just missing. It's so frustrating. I'd say one day you'll get used to it, but you won't. I don't think so, because... It's because even, you know, I put on, like, an old movie, it's like 20th Century Fox, it's like, dun 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 I still see the century. It's still there. And Disney just gave us a copyright strike. Oh, my was my singing that good, was it? I think it's probably that 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 is recognizable enough as a piece of music that you got close enough. <laughs> I'll take that compliment. Anyway, so yeah, this is an untitled show so far, uh, but it's uh, been negotiations for the past couple of months. It's loosely based on uh, Foster's real life experiences. It centers on an unlikely relationship between an irreverent, outspoken, and ag- agnostic woman and an unconventional rabbi. So, okay. sure, okay. Yeah. Uh, not much to go on, but cool. Uh, we got a couple of animated series to talk about as well before we go to the dramas. Uh, Sign me up. First up, uh, Fox is officially moving forward with Bedrock, which is the sort of sequel slash spin-off. I'd say it's more of a sequel series to the, to the Flintstones, but aimed at adults. So this is obviously getting into their, because Fox have Family Guy and Simpsons and all these is, things. Is, are they adapting the Mark Russell Flintstones comic? I know. Because if they're not, they, they should be. No, but there are some interesting details to this. Uh, first of all, Elizabeth Banks is spearheading this. She's executive producing, and she's going to voice uh, the lead, which is Pebbles, the now grown-up daughter of the Flintstones. Okay, definitely sequel territory. Yeah. And, and Elizabeth Banks is great. Yeah, she's in her early 20s, I think. Uh, we'll get to the description in a second. Uh, but it scored a pilot presentation uh, after it was first brought up two years ago. Uh, the cast also includes Stephen Root as Fred. Uh, he's a good, he's a fun comedy actor. Uh, yeah. he, uh, he's good. Uh, Amy Sedaris as Wilma. Nicole Byer as Betty. Joe Lo Trigillo as Barney. That's uh, Boyles from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, okay. Or Broyles, I should say. Boyles or Broyles? I don't know else to watch that. <laughs> um, and then uh, Manny Jacinto as Bam Bam. So yeah, it's been just the whole family and the neighbors again. It's just but the, the focus is going to be. 20 somethings pedals. Oh, who were the kids? Yeah, yeah uh, primetime animated adult comedy series continuing the story of the Stone Age family. Bedrock catches up with the Flintstones family two decades later, with Fred on the brink of retirement and a 20 something pebbles embarking on her own career. As the Stone Age gives way to a shiny and enlightened new Bronze Age, 
The residents of Bedrock will find this evolution harder uh, than a swing from Bam Bam's club. So that's actually quite funny saying it's going to hit the Bronze Age. That's actually quite a funny detail on that. It is, yeah. Um, Try to So yeah, it's a big name behind it, you know, and Banks is getting very prolific with all of our projects, so why not? Yes. Yeah, making some money on them. Uh, and then the other animated show, uh, which was good news, uh, this one, is that Batman Cape Crusader has been picked up at Amazon for two seasons. Yeah, we knew it was definitely going to get picked up somewhere, because I think they, they said they already had at least one season in the bag, right? I don't know if I remember that, but they were definitely looking for a new home. This was something they were wanting to do. This is the one that's produced by J.J. Abrams, Matt Reeves, and Bruce Timm. Um, it was sort of let go from HBO Max, but they were looking for a new home. They found it in Amazon, which I think is a good place for it, to be honest. Uh, and it's got a straight-to-series order for two seasons. Um, and yeah, uh, this was one of six different projects that Warner Bros. Discovery just cut at the same time. Uh, yeah, this is the one that this has got the Brubaker writing on it, I think, right? It did at the time. It doesn't mention his name in this article, but it did originally have his name attached to it. I would assume, until told otherwise, that things haven't really changed on that side. I would assume, especially if he already had at least written the first season, perhaps. It sounds like they'd written it all because they had, like, you know, yeah. he was talking about it in his newsletter for a long time with, like, writers yeah. going on. So here's hoping, if, assuming it's good, which I, I hope it is, and think it very well could be, that he uh, is back for more as well. So, yeah. Um, no, it's just cool. I mean, I guess the only sad part, not that Kevin Conroy was ever confirmed for this, but it is kind of a bittersweet that he definitely can't be in this now because obviously he passed yeah. away. So, uh, and his last project is that awful looking Suicide Squad game, unfortunately. Oh, no, don't tell me that. Yep, he's voicing Batman in it. He already recorded all of his lines. And it looks like absolute shit. <laughs> Anywho, that's uh, that is good news though that uh, this this lives. So uh, that's Batman Cape Crusader, uh, very sort of old school looking. I mean, they they used like an image that was very reminiscent of the original Batman from Detective Comics twenty seven and all the articles for this. Obviously, that's not an image from the actual show though, because there's no images from the actual show to show yet. So we it's don't just... know what it's going to look like, but we know it's going to be old school and gothic. Yeah. They've been using that image. The entire time we've been talking about it, I I think it was like a mock-up piece yeah. for this specifically, which means it's indicative of the style we can expect at least. So no, that's cool. That's cool. So let's go on to uh, all the other stuff then, all the new dramas and whatnot. And uh, you know how like almost every episode this year we've had a story about Amazon wanting to have a universe. Oh, they got another one. I'm, I'm aware. Yeah, they had Tomb Raider Universe. They had... I don't even remember what the other ones were, but that was... <laughs> there was more than that. Uh, so, Creed. The Creedverse might be born. Uh, Creed 3, of course, has just come out, and it's doing well. It's actually making more money, at least up front, than the first two entries did, so it's successful. Very good things about it from from you know, various people who are not yeah. necessarily always into the same sort of stuff. I, I've heard good things from most people. And then one sort of lukewarm opinion. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It's all the anime comparisons, which have got me the most interested in it. I don't know if you've heard those. Yeah, I've, yes, I've heard that Michael B. Jordan, who directed it, and this is his directorial debut as well, starring in it, uh, had a- anime influences for how he shot the fight scenes, I believe. Or he's he's kind of an, a, a big anime nerd. I don't know if you're aware of that. I, I have become aware of that over the past few months because he keeps bringing it up. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of very specific references I've seen 
made that during uh, that film, which has me kind of excited for that. So, yeah. So obviously, Creed is MGM and Amazon own MGM, and they're apparently been meeting with Michael B. Jordan about expanding Creed into more projects. Um, obviously, there's a possibility of a Creed Four. That's kind of just assumed that that's probably going to happen at this point, but. Yeah. Uh, the details are, you know, they're, they're still exploring ideas, but apparently the things that are up in the air that might happen is possibly a Creed anime series. <laughs> so that may be a thing. Uh, there's ideas for a live-action TV show, which is the most relevant thing to this particular show. Um, right. Anime is TV. And also, uh, percolating, is the word they use here, is a potential project centering on Adonis Creed's daughter Amara, who is in the third movie. Uh, played by deaf actress Mila Davis-Kent. Um, and that may also be a project. Now, it doesn't specify if that would be a TV project or a movie project. I suspect probably TV. And then they also add on at the end that already in development is a potential spin-off uh, called Drago uh, about, uh, obviously, uh, what's his face? Uh, oh, God. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting the actor's name. Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. Oh, thank you. Uh, Dolph Rundgren and his character's son, who were both in Creed 2. And the, although that was maybe a movie, and that still is a movie project. It's not a TV project. But, yeah. That makes sense. There, everything's blossoming. We have to have, like, five ongoing different projects for every IP at the same time now these days, apparently. Yeah. This one's a little... I think it's slightly more forgivable than, than some, in that at least this is a a franchise that's already had a lot of sequels, right? You know, going, you had, what, six Rocky movies and now three Creed movies? Already on nine movies. Yeah, but I I do always appreciate more, like, I'm fine with there being, like, a spin-off after the fact, right? So if you finish a thing and then you move on to the next thing. Everything now, though, is, like, we have to have, like, ten things in development at the same time and then hope that we can have, like, four of them on the air at the same time. You know, yeah, you know, it's just everything's yeah. too much of everything, you know? I, I definitely don't disagree with that feeling. I think, for me at least, it's slightly more palatable when it's a property that's already kind of established and has a lot of things under its belt, as opposed to even something like Dune, which I, I, I love that last movie. But the, the, the fact that they immediately, even before that movie was out, they were like, right, we're going to have the movies, we're going to have TV shows, we're going to have, like, you know, six things. We're going to have cartoons, we're going to have serials, we're going to have comics, we're going right, to have... They, they went all in with no history. Obviously, they've got the history of it being a, a book and, you know, having its own audience in that, right? But no history in the medium, specifically in this version. Whereas, at, at least with these, you've got, you got six Rocky films, you've got three Creed movies already. They're looking at that going, okay, well, we've got things we can do with that. It, at least it doesn't feel like it's coming out of nowhere. Yeah, the movies though, like they are quite spread out. Like you know, it's like nineteen seventy six to twenty twenty three. So it's nine movies, but it's nine movies spread out a quite a a vast amount of time. Yeah, uh, and this is the sort of thing. You know, something I joked about with Star Trek is that you know, obviously Star Trek had many shows right before it came back. You know, it had uh, what five total shows a live action not can one animated show and five live action shows yeah and almost like within a couple of years of coming back it almost like doubled the number because they had so many projects going at the same time you know i mean and, and it's something that is worth noting that having what they had three on at the same time give or take i think overlapping more or less uh, yeah at least back to back yeah 
yeah, and it's probably that is a large part of what killed the franchise for a while. There's the audience fatigue mm-hmm. of just have it all at once. Uh, I'm I'm starting. I uh, know obviously we have personally been kind of relatively. Oh, you mean back in the day? No, they never had more than two at the same time. Okay, but they were like right after. They kind of ra- over. They all overlapped though. Those last three, didn't they? Oh yeah, like basically, Deep Space Nine was never on its own. Deep Space Nine was like next gen for two seasons and then voyager for the rest of its show and then voyager obviously lasted a couple of seasons after that was done yeah and then did enterprise overlap with voyager? no enterprise came a couple of years later i think it come just after okay yeah i think but, there was actually a little gap between voyager and enterprise okay but that was what i'm saying there was like those three overlapping that kind of causes fatigue and you know I, i'm we're seeing it with things now that like, we've been pretty apathetic on like marvel stuff for a while but I'm, especially after the uh, the release of Ant-Man, I've seen a lot of people who were, who were kind of still very into Marvel stuff, kind of being like, okay, uh, you know, maybe they should have taken a break after. Mm-hmm. after Even Endgame. Kevin Feige saying that they slowed down their TV projects, so, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's, it, it is getting to a point where it's a lot, maybe, maybe take it down a notch. Not, yeah. not just Marvel, like, you know, that kind of is... Everyone's, of everyone's trying to projects. do it, and... I suppose we're not really at the point yet where most of them, like, I feel like most attempts at trying to do, like, these vast, like, not even universes, but just vastly IP expansions of, like, having multiple things, most of them seem to die before they actually happen. We've not really got to the point where tons of them are actually succeeding, of just just existing, never mind being good. Yeah, there's, there's a whole list at the graveyard of them. Yeah, so... You know, we'll see how many of these ones that Amazon are trying to do, even like, because if only one of them gets through, it won't feel that bad. If there's just one shared universe thing happening, then I can kind of live with that. But if all like five of the ones that are trying to like have developed all end up happening, it's going to feel so exhausting and so tiring. Um, obviously, they're going to have this one, they're going to have Tomb Raider. I would arguably say the boys, because they've got a spin off. Oh, yeah, they're kind of concurrently. But- do you know why that doesn't feel that bad though? It's because that the spin-off's coming after three seasons and it's like, okay, we're expanding into something else because this is a proven quantity at this point and it's doing really well. That that I mean they, they didn't green light that at the same time as the main show. Absolutely. I mean, hell, three seasons is the exact same amount of seasons that Buffy had before Angel started. So I mean Yeah. You know? I mean, obviously if they say there's a third boys show and then a fourth boys show and they're all gonna be starting before the original show's not finished, I'll start to complain. That's the problem that The Walking Dead's kind of turned into, is that it's like, here's, you know, six yeah. shows. But anywho, uh, so yeah, Creed's possibly expanded into more TV stuff. Not a lot of details, it's quite, er- quite early on in all the development of these things, but it was worth mentioning, because they're like, hey, let's do a bunch of this now. I think at least one of them will happen. Yeah. Uh, Alright, next up, uh, a new adaptation of Day of the Triffids is in development. Uh, Amazon Studios is fast-tracking it. Um, uh, Johan Rennick, uh, Emmy winner for Chernobyl, who I think was the same name that left uh, The Sisterhood earlier on, <laughs> uh, is attached to direct and executive produce uh, this limited series. Uh, Don Mur- Murphy and Susan Montford are executive producing for Angry Films. So, and Day of the Triffids, the most, after most people in the world uh, are blinded by a meteor shower, uh, Triffids, tall venomous carnivorous plants start killing the rest. The story centers on Bill Mason, a biologist who specializes in Triffids. He leads survivors in their fight against the killer plants, and at some point rescues a young 
sighted girl and travels with her for several days. Hmm, I wonder why this is being greenlit all of a sudden. Can't possibly imagine why. Definitely not reminiscent of anything at all that may have may have not just ended. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't read the description because because there's a movie from the fifties which I'm sure I'll see at some point, but I've not seen it yet. Uh, so I hadn't read the, read the description yet, and I just as I was reading that, and I got to I was like, okay, plants are killing us. It's a little bit like fungus. And then I got to the end about I'm like traveling with a girl. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so so Last of Us exists, and therefore people are looking at what other things they can do that are similar. Okay. Uh. That said, though, I'm not, I'm not against a, making a new version of this. Like, so it sounds. I mean, plant monsters sounds interesting from a visual perspective, at least. Hey, it's got to be different to mushroom monsters. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, cool. You know, by all means, yeah. I, I hope it's, I hope it's fun. Uh, next up, uh, Ed Berger, who directed, co-wrote, and produced All Quiet in the Western Front, which just won an Oscar. Um, the foreign language Oscar or international Oscar, whatever they're calling it these days, uh, is going to direct executive produce a show called Helltown, an eight-episode crime thriller that's in development at Amazon Studios. Amazon are developing tons of stuff this week, apparently. Uh, from Mohamed El Masri, who worked on Severance, which is good. Uh, and also Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, company, uh, Team Downey. So, uh, Oscar Isaacs in talks to star and executive produce. So that's kind of a big deal. And it's based on the book by the same name by Casey Sherman. So, written by El Masri, who serves as executive producer and showrunner. Helltown centers on Kurt uh, Vonnegut? Sorry? Vonnegut? Yeah, I've got a feeling some of that's silent. I just don't know what part, because I'm not used to it. Uh, So, focuses on Kurt. Uh, Before he was a round author and cultural lightning rod. In 1969, Kurt was a struggling novelist and car salesman living life with his wife and five children in Cape Cod. When two women disappear and are later discovered murdered underneath the sand dunes on the outskirts of Provincetown, Kurt becomes obsessed with and embroiled in the chilling hunt for a serial killer and forms a dangerous bond with the prime suspect. Of course he does. <laughs> so, yeah. It's very TV, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh... I think, you know, what the the whole hunting down a serial killer, like, is just so overdone in TV that it's almost impossible and t- until I see, like, some fancy direction to be remotely inspired by it. You mean kind of like what we had in Mindhunter? Yeah, Mindhunter was great, yeah. 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 Uh, next up, Paramount Plus is developing Vice City, uh, which is a working title. A new original series from Lionsgate Television, Paramount Television Studios, and Curtis 50 Cent Jackson's G-Unit film and television. The project is an original idea from writers and executive producers Darnell uh, Mater, who worked on Transformers Rise of the Beasts. Well, I don't know if that's any good, Jack. It's not out, but... Uh, and Josh Peters. Oh, also Transformers Rise of the Beasts. So maybe that was their uh, their their break moment uh, into mm-hmm. the industry to start doing other projects. Uh, with Chad Stileski, who's worked on the John Wick franchise, serving as executive producer and director. So he's like the co-director of John Wick. Um, so... Vice City follows three friends and former soldiers who return to their home city of Miami in the mid-80s after being dishonorably discharged from the military for their involvement in the Iran-Contra scandal. Disgraced, displaced, and forgotten by the country they served and with no good job prospects, the three friends partner with a mysterious Colombian immigrant uniting their financial needs and criminal ambitions to form a heist crew. 
Fueled by the need for American green, they traverse a violent and dangerous path in the pursuit of the American dream. How did that sound so generic? <laughs> yeah. Oh, see what it said in mid-80s? I was hoping it was going to be, like, talking about, like, you know, something a bit more stylish, maybe. Yeah, well, have, have a bit of style to it, but yeah. which, that, which... that could have been any CBS show. Yeah. I don't know if it makes me think of CBS. It makes me think more of, uh... Well, I never watched Narcos, but that's what it makes me think of, just in concept. Okay, that's fair, but the blandness of the description felt like a basic network okay, sure. description. Sure. Uh, Peacock is developing uh, eight flights. Sorry, not flights. Eight fights. I just remembered who this is about. I'm like, yeah, it's not flights. <laughs> eight <laughs> fights. Uh, excellence, eight fights. A scripted eight-part event series about boxing great Muhammad Ali uh, based on the definitive biography Ali, A Life by Jonathan Aig. E-I-G? Aig? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, the project comes from Oscar-winning Black Klansman co-writer Kevin Wilmont, uh, Morgan Freeman, and Laurie McCreary's Revelations Entertainment. Um, so, written by Wilmont, the series chronicles eight distinct and defining moments in Ali's iconic life. Each episode will be framed by one of his fights, but the essence of the episode, what it's really about, is the internal fight, the drama outside the ring. It will explore the struggle of going in on the heart and mind of one of the most consequential and controversial figures of the 20th century. Uh, framing each episode around one of his fights is, is an interesting idea. I can see them like always starting and ending with the fight and kind of like cutting to like what the story's really about. By doing it. It, um, it kind of reminds me of remember that Steve Jobs film that did like the three, it was just like three sequences. Uh, I never like, saw it, but three, I remember it was, it was all like three speeches that he was giving. It was kind of the events around that. Mm. So it's a, a similar idea to that, but stretched out over a, a TV show as opposed to fitting it into a movie. Um, I, I, that was a perfectly fine movie, but it, it, the structure of it really worked in its benefit. So I can see that working here of giving it like each episode will really feel like, oh no, it's that episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which I think one of my big problems with biopics is tends to be just like kind of the weird structure because they they have to fit the person's life, but they don't necessarily fit like the structure of a story. So you get like a kind of I don't know I feel like kind of a disconnect with the pacing or whatever. Uh, this sounds like an interesting way of like getting around that and making it more like spotlight it, moments. It gives it a a good excuse to jump to specific moments, and obviously they can still fudge the timeline a little bit. Like you know they can they can mention some events that you know around those fights you know like before and after just kind of just fudge them enough that that it'll work in an episode um, yeah yeah and no, I, I can see that with potential all right david chase is working with fx on his next tv project uh so basically they're not really t- saying much about what it is like the the, the plot and all oh, that one of these under wraps yeah, okay. but david chase of course uh, worked in the sopranos he's the creator of that uh, and he's working with writer-director Hannah Fidel, who worked on Pam and Tommy, which obviously got a lot of buzz uh, last year. Uh, so it's based on a previously unproduced script by Chase and will feature a contemporary take by Fidel, uh, who will direct the pilot. Uh, so, you know, it's a big name at FX. Potential. Uh, it seemed big enough name-wise to mention. Obviously, there's not a lot to talk about yet, but... Yeah. Uh, so that's that. Uh, MRC has made a, a deal to develop... Uh, Pornsack Epichosotis, Eisner award-winning graphic novel. I probably butchered your name uh, there, so uh, apologies. Is this the good Asian that you're trying to talk about? The good Asian, yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Do you know how it pronounces them? Uh, I might do if I looked at it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, this is an adaptation of the graphic novel The Good Asian. Uh, Jim... No, graphic novel. Well, it says graphic novel here. I know, I'm just, I'm just specifying because we, we, we always like people. I, I know, I know, yeah, it's probably a comic book. Uh, James Wad, Michael Clear, and Bob Hacker are producing for Atomic Monster. Uh, the Good Asian follows Edson Hark, a skilled but complicated Chinese-American detective on the trail of a killer in 1936 Chinatown. The series adaptation is a Chinatown noir following the first generation of Americans to come of age under immigration ban, the Chinese, as they rise against the system of violence, oppression, and corruption in their community to build a better future. So... Um. I'd so say the comic is amazing. Oh, uh, it's good. one of the best things I've read in the last like five years. Uh, you know, I, I, I obviously you've got the the hunting down the killer part, which obviously is the fun part. But then you've also got like a specific setting, you know, this first generation of immigrants. You know, I, yeah, I, I can see it, what it, it nails its noir tone from like right from the first issue. Yeah, I, I can see the a lot in there. Uh, so that's the good Asian. Uh, no network or anything like that yet, but it's in development. So yeah, uh, it should come back. Uh, it's not often I bring up Tubi. Uh, I forget they exist most of the time. But uh, Tubi's b- begun pr- principal photography on a dark western thriller called The Thicket, based on Joe R. Lonsdale's novel of the same name, starring and produced by Game of Thrones' Alan Peter Dinklage. Uh, they're shooting in Canada right now. Uh, so it's a passion project for Dinklage. The Thicket also stars Juliet Lewis and uh, Esme Creed Mills, uh, who is Hannah from the Hannah TV show. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, I didn't realize Tubi was making original shows, but apparently they are. I I didn't realize Tubi still existed. Oh no, but Tubi has all the all the weird B movies that you can't find anywhere ah, else. Fair enough. Uh, so it's worth it for that, but uh, and it's free, so it's worth it regardless. But <laughs> um, so set at the turn of the century, the thicket follows an innocent young man, Jack, who goes on an epic quest to rescue his sister Lula after she's been kidnapped by the violent killer Cutthroat Bill and her gang. To save her, Jack enlists the help of a crafty bounty hunter named Reginald Jones, a grave-digging alcoholic son of an ex-slave, and a street-smart prostitute. The gang tracks Cutthroat Bill into the deadly no-man's land known as the Big Thicket, a place where blood and chaos reign. Okay. That was a dramatic description, I'll give it that. Yeah, and with with the uh, with strong direction, I can see that being. Yeah, Dinklage is the bounty hunter, by the way, out of all those characters. Oh, okay. So interesting. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting cast. I'll say that much. Uh, and Juliet Lewis being the uh, the villain makes sense. I can see her as the as yeah. the villain. So that's cool. Uh, which I. Th- oh no no we got two more stories left. So this is the penultimate story. It's the penultimate story. Uh, Amazon Studios has partnered with the uh, Tornante Company to develop The Better Liar, a drama series based on the book of the same name by Tanen Jones. Uh, Daisy Ridley is set to star and executive produce. So it's going to be written and executive produced by Rael Tucker, who worked on True Blood. Not the most exciting thing to tell mm-hmm. me, but okay. fair enough. Uh, he, he was probably just a staff writer. Yeah. And the better liar, when a woman hires a lookalike in an effort to conceal her sister's death and claim their shared inheritance, her deception exposes a web of dangerous secrets. So not a lot well, to like go on. Really generic, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty generic, so I think, yeah. yeah. Uh, came back for one more I mean, Amazon show, though. I mean, 
who knows? We'll, we'll wait till we hear more on that one to make a decision. I think so. Uh, and then finally, uh, we have a Netflix show again. So no regular networks. They all took the last couple of weeks off, apparently, from uh, making announcements. Uh, but Netflix has given a formal limited series order to Zero Day, a conspiracy thriller from Eric Newman uh, from The Watcher and Narcos, uh, Noah Oppenheim uh, from Jackie and The Thing About Pam, and Pulitzer Prize winning journalist and author Michael S. Schmidt. And notably, this is going to have Robert De Niro starring in it and executive producing. It's his first like TV role as a regular you know, character. Uh, it's a limited series. Um... Yeah, uh, Leslie Linkaglatter from Homeland, Mad Men, and Love and Death will direct all episodes and executive produce. Uh, six episodes. Zero Day asks the question on everyone's mind, how do we find truth in a world in crisis, one seemingly being torn apart by forces outside our control? And in an era rife with conspiracy theory and subterfuge, how much of those forces are products of our own doing, perhaps even of our own imagining? That is the most... Like, just intentionally obtuse description. Yeah, there, there, there was nothing. Yes, it said nothing. Was literally nothing. Yes. So, what's this show actually going to be? What's it going to feel like? I have no idea. Because I could not tell you anything about this show. But hey, Robert De Niro was in it, so that's a big deal, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Kind of weird he's not done any TV before. Yeah, but even just earlier, you know, we've got that Arnold show. Arnold's never been a regular character on a tv show and now he's doing a tv you know i feel like times have changed now these old-time actors are all having a go at it uh basically what happened is tv studios started throwing money at them aye uh despite the fact that they're all losing money because the streaming services aren't as profitable yeah, as they but, thought they were but the thing is they think if they throw more money at the problem <laughs> bigger names more people will come and watch it and therefore they will make more money Genius. genius, yeah, it's genius. That's yeah. Just, that's, yeah, that'll definitely work. How can it fail? But there you go, that's the news for the week. Uh, well, the last two weeks, really. So, uh, there you go. Um, that's what it is. And I do think there's some stuff from today, being Monday, in there. So, uh, I'll see how much news there is if we're going to record one for the weekend. We might not, we may just leave it till next week, uh, depending. But uh, I'll, I'll have a look come Friday or so and see if there's a, enough there to bother. But, uh, yeah, so hopefully you're happy the TV news is back. Uh, me and Connor are, are planning to record another Star Trek this week, uh, so hopefully that'll be up for patrons later this week too. So just if you're waiting for things to be coming back, uh, that's the that's the game plan. So look out for that. Um, yeah, otherwise, though, uh, as far as TV stuff goes, um, Last of Us just finished. My review of that just went up at the time of recording. Uh, myself and Tara have been reviewing the new Quantum Leap. Still, it's been a little rough going recently. Uh, at least on my side of things. Uh, shockingly though, we're also reviewing Picard, and it wasn't that great for the first three episodes. But episode four was probably the first good episode of the entire show. So we're kind of still in a state of shock, and we'll see how episode five is this coming week. But <laughs> there you go. Those are the reviews that are all there to go check out. Uh, but uh, otherwise, uh, that'll just about do it. So thank you very much for joining us. You can support the show and the channel by uh, liking, subscribing, dinging the bell for notifications, and commenting uh, when you see fit. And of course, you can support us financially by going to patreon.com slash TV and supporting us on a monthly basis. Or you can do a one-time super thanks on YouTube if that's more your thing. But uh, any and all help is appreciated and helps keep all the shows coming. 
and whatnot. So thank you very much. That's the TV news. Thank you very much for joining us. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV. Have you got any vanilla?